hey, I want to apply some of this stuff. That sounds great. I could totally see how this is going to work. Read your copy out loud to yourself. That is a massive thing that will help you fix really clunky sentences. It'll help you fix things that are just said incorrectly. Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven, and eight-figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, part of the amazing FBA podcast family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven-figure exit, and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Today's sponsor is Eva, the best AI repricer for Amazon profits. Private label sellers, are you wasting your cash? Eva reprices your products for you, and the result is up to 50% more profits. Eva serves hundreds of seven-figure sellers in the USA and is now out for British and European sellers as well. For a 15-day free trial, go to amazingfba.com forward slash Eva. That's amazingfba.com forward slash E-V-A. Ladles and jelly spoons, welcome back to the 10K Collective Podcast, the place to be for six, seven, and eight-figure private label and custom product creators, part of the amazing FBA family podcast. I'm your host, Michael Vesey. Today, we are talking with Seth Erickson from Storify about storytelling in marketing, which is a really cool topic, and we've been talking about neuroscience of it, and today we're going to talk about how to actually implement this stuff. Seth, welcome back to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. So we're going to talk about what the characteristics are of a good story. How does it, and we talked about the fact that it helps you win in the marketplace because facts are really dull. Before we go any further, we ought to ask a little bit more about you and your story. Um, tell us a story about Seth and Storify. Where, where have you come <laughs> from to do all this stuff? I was a, a brand of an award-winning design agency, but was really dissatisfied with what we were actually doing with clients. And it's different than what you think. We were running a successful agency and we would build beautiful websites for our clients. They would love us. We'd be happy. Everybody's happy getting paid. That's great. But then I would say, "On your, did your new website like help boost sales? Well, no. Okay. Did you get more signups? No. Okay. We're not actually helping you. No, the website looks great. It looks awesome. What are you talking about? It's fine. And I'm like, I'm not actually helping your business. You're just paying me to Lipstick on a pig. I don't know what I'm doing here. And so after after years of being frustrated, I I was like, I got to figure out a better way, something else to do because I actually want to move the needle for my customers in their business. Like I, I got into business to help other people. Obviously, I I really like design. I went to design school, and I was always told design changes the world. And then I had this kind of epiphany that it's actually the words that are <laughs> making a major difference. The design helps. Don't get me wrong. If you have a really poorly built website or designed for your brand, then obviously you're going to look, people aren't going to give you a second look, but so that is important. But at the end of the day, squishy meat bags called humans use this thing called communication, which either happens through, you know, vibration in our ears or <laughs> words on a page. And that's what is actually convincing them to, to buy or not buy your product or your service or whatever. I was like, how do I get better at storytelling or not storytelling? How do I get better at communicating? And a friend of mine gave me the book, I think it's Story Wars by Jonah Sachs, or Winning the Story Wars. Anyway, if you search Jonah Sachs, you, you'll find it. Point being, though, he goes, you're a storyteller. I said, great. What does a storyteller do? 
I honestly thought storytellers were like people who lived in Hollywood and wrote screenplays or wrote books, which at the time I didn't have a book. And so he gave me that book and I became fascinated with, with the, the topic of storytelling. And some of the books started to talk about the neuroscience aspects of it. And then I was like, there's science backing this up. This is interesting. I, so I read a bunch of research papers and articles on the topic of neuroscience and storytelling. Most of them are really boring. So I wouldn't suggest doing that to yourself if you can avoid it. Because the irony is like there's tons of research on it. And yet they don't use storytelling in their research. They just go through and give you the facts and figures. <laughs> it's funny. I happen to know a neuroscientist, which is not something most people would say, but I live. So we got so, you know connections to some very interesting people. And she knows some incredible stuff, but you wouldn't think it when you talk to her because she just doesn't have the knack of communicating about it. So exactly what you yeah. say is my, my personal experience. Yeah. So I started reading a lot of books. And so after Jonas Sachs' book, I read The Hero with a Thousand Faces. I read Story by Robert McKee. I read several of Lisa Cron's books on storytelling. One of them was Wired for Story. I, she's written several on the topic. I started going, okay, this isn't just something that's really cool or interesting. There's actually science backing this. Right. Like what you were saying in the previous episode where you were like, people say storytelling is, is important, but what that is, that just sounds like an opinion, right? Got into the science and said, I think we're onto something here. And, and we actually started applying some of the storytelling principles to our clients work, their websites, their emails, how they were doing their communications, started seeing really big results. I don't know how up to date your data is. Mine may be a little bit old, but I think the average like click through rate on an email is like somewhere between one and 3%. Yeah. And so when we were doing, or we're still doing email campaigns, we're seeing between seven and 10%. So we know that what we're saying is getting people's attention enough to go, okay, so seeing higher open rates than what the industry standard is for that particular industry. I don't, don't want to go into the specifics of that because data, but so we were like, okay, it works. We're onto something here. And so we actually rebranded the age at the beginning of the pandemic, which is the best time to rebrand. Let me tell you <laughs> into Storyfy agency. And, and so we've changed. And the reason we're called Storyfy is because Storyfy is a word. It's not a, it's not like Shopify or Spotify. It means to tell or narrate and story. Yeah. By the way, I just wanted to, to share for those who are watching and those who have to do the, the magic of telling, painting a picture via words, because I just wanted to say that you have got really striking design and you can see that you've got that design, design chops. But also what's so interesting is that half of the screen, I displayed on a, a fairly wide monitor on a laptop, so not on a phone, is like a big block of color and a big bold statement and plus the logo. So you obviously, and then you've got some really well chosen photos and lots of text. So there is a real blend of the sort of visual and the text. And that's so interesting to me because I think there's a sneaky belief amongst Amazon sellers, particularly because Amazon, you know, is such a powerful brand. And because also we're very limited about the format that we get visually, that the photos and that the words don't really matter. The only thing I would say to that is whenever I've had clients that are professional copywriters, should we say, I wasn't saying necessarily as far as storytellers, and they've changed even just the bullet points, the conversion rate moved by, which mm. is a serious impact. It's not true. It's just easy to tell yourself that it's true. So there you go. Mm. It's another story that I think we're telling ourselves. It's only about the photos. That, that's not true, objectively, based on anything I've seen. And what you're saying is that your entire, you had an epiphany where you, you pivoted your entire business based on that realization which is fascinating to me. So tell me about the interaction then. So I swing into how do we integrate this in real life? What is the interaction between 
the place to say this is that with the design background, the visual elements primarily, I guess, but also maybe infographics or infographic type elements on photos in, in an Amazon environment or yeah, words I think, that we choose. I think the graphics and the photos do uh, a couple of things. One, they get, a, if you see a nicely shot product, then you're like, oh, you might be like, oh, that looks interesting. But the other thing it, it also says, and, and I mentioned this earlier is we make a value determination. Oh, these guys must have their stuff together or these guys are really low ball, whatever. And so with the image getting your attention and maybe the style of what you do, but being attractive to people, then they're going, okay, I'm interested. Maybe I should read a little bit. But even with the text, if the first statement that you make doesn't grab somebody's attention, they're probably just going to scan, scan your content. Like they're not really going to sit down and read everything you write. I actually just was working with another branding agency that brought me in to kind of give, give feedback. And <laughs> we were looking at their new, um, homepage, beautiful, amazing illustrations, just really top-notch work, but they literally had blocks of paragraphs everywhere, all over this page. And this page scrolled for, it seemed like days. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, nobody's going to read all that. Like the brain, um, doesn't want to, it doesn't want to expend more calories than it has to. So that's another thing that neuroscience talks about is for us to read, we have to burn calories. So when you have text, you want to break that text up and almost trick the brain to go, oh, it's only a few set. And so as you see, like on our website that you just showed off, we don't have a lot of content. We have a main point, which is that nobody should need a PhD to understand what your business does. And so we're talking about like how people don't communicate very well. Then we go on to, to hit the next point, which as a startup, you guys are really excited about your tech, but that's not actually what gets people to buy. So stop talking about that. <laughs> and then we're like, here's some pictures. You can see some of our work and try to cut the content down, get very specific and allow people to just scan through. And if that first sentence grabs your attention, then you're probably going to read the, no one cares about how the sausage is made. And the rest of this is just social proof. Here's all the companies we've worked with. Here's some examples of our stuff. It's so cleanly laid out. So you've got this very striking, no one should need a PhD to understand your business kind of mission statement almost, but a very publicly absorbable one, not. We exist in order to drive vendor value for a mid-market company, droning, boring mission statement. And um, this is something humans will read. This is pretty much the only, there's only sort of about three paragraphs that actually unbroken up text. Then you got some examples of three brands that you work with. Oh yeah, perfect. So you can click through who we've worked with. So there's social proof. Then a thing about the brain is the computer, emotions run the OS, stories, the apps. When you learn how to use storytelling, you will understand the language of the customer's operating system and how to help your customer itself. I'm not going to say those, but I would say something like, yeah, they said this, the brain's a computer, emotions run it, and stories of the apps. That's simple enough for me to grasp to actually retell the story to somebody else. And I'm starting to do your marketing mm -hmm. for you. I can see how cleverly this is laid out. And then you've got your book at the bottom of the page and then a bit more social proof. And then a tiny thing about your agency right at the end. It's all about you at the end. I love it. And then schedule a call button. And that is the entire homepage, which is, as you say, it's, it, that's so cleanly laid out and uh, fantastic. I think everyone should check it out. If nothing else, just an example of how a homepage, storifyagency.com, folks. Never mind the call to action. This is a call to paying attention to what it can look like. I, I love that. So how did you arrive at that? How do, how do we get to the point where, let's talk um, a bit broader canvas than, say, just an Amazon page. Let's say a Shopify business owner. How do they get to the place page? tells a good story in a very absorbable way that integrates with visual design. That's quite an art. Where do we even start? 
Yeah. So e-commerce is obviously a little bit different than the way that we're set up because we're an agency. And so we're not specifically selling products, although in the future, hopefully we'll be, we'll have quite a few things to offer besides just the book to help people. But so I think, so it's a, it's a little bit different with, with e-commerce because typically like you, depending on how your e-commerce store is set up, like you either have some people who will sell anything and everything. And then you'll have some people who sell specific things like these, these are the candle guys. These are the, the whatever guys or, or girls or whatever. Let's assume that the most people have got, I would suggest possibly discuss the wisdom to, to focus on one very specific type of product, which yeah, people that would be where you would anyway. So let's them. assume that, you know, maybe. <laughs> yeah. So I would then look yeah. at what is the, the need or the, or the problem that the product that you're selling solves. Talk about that. Start there. So let's say they sell, I don't know. How about you give me an example and I'll try to riff along with you here. Yeah, sure. I can. I, I try and avoid sort of naming. Just say what type of product. products, but let's say, can I got a sports clothing, say it's a moisture wicking a stuff for mountaineers or something. I, I don't know when he sells that, but I do know I have clients who are in this sort of clothing, by the way, but big. So imagine it's moisture wicking. Yeah. So I would start people. by putting a statement at the top of the page, addressing that again, this is totally on the fly. I would need to sit with a, a little bit more, but you would want to talk about being sweaty sucks. That's the problem. The moisture wicking is, is the solution. So we want to talk about like the challenge that the customer is facing. And the central idea is that your customer is the hero of the story. Most companies try to make themselves the hero of the story, like I said earlier about, we're so amazing, we're great, we're award-winning, blah, 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 because we're all human and we're all self-focused. So you want to talk about what their challenge is. So in this case, it might be being sweaty, stinky, bacteria, whatever. Talk about that and then tie that to your products by saying, by making the products the solution to that major problem that you're pointing out to them. So that would be the way to do that. Obviously, there's more that you can do. You can expand on that problem and stick your finger in the wound, if you will. That'll bring in some of the emotional aspects of don't you hate it when you've been out running and your wife complains that your clothes stink and you should use this product because it's antimicrobial and it'll wick the sweat away from you and and the smells will stay in the in the in the the athletic gear and not get all over your clothes, your house, or there's any number of ways that you can kind of position that. And one of the other things that you you can do practically is when you're writing. Look at how you're writing. Are you saying I, us, we, our, or are you saying you, your, right? Are you talking to the customer about them? <laughs> that reminds me of a very simple hack, which I find, by the way, if you've got existing copy that you think very quick hack to improve it, I just go through, look for the words I and we, and just send some you. Obviously, you've got to mm. change the grammar and the meaning, but sometimes you just change you. We've been in business 50 years. You can be reassured that you're dealing with somebody responsible mm. who's been in business for 50 years, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Like you can change everything to you, really, if you think about it. And that's, yeah, it's a, it's such an easy hack that one. I, I find it's not that hard to do. That's not all I'm <laughs> suggesting we do, but that's a start. And it's an easy hack. If you've got, a, if you've got to change ransom copy quickly, and you don't want to, you know, spend a lot of time and energy on it. Sorry, oh. I interrupted. No, with, and that, with a that's a great point. I'll throw another tip on top of it because it's the bonus round. One of the other things you can do is I would say that your website shouldn't have more than a couple hundred words on it, especially the homepage, which most e-commerce uh, stores are not going to run into that problem like a brick and mortar business might, but I would try to limit the amount of copy. And then the other thing I would do is if you're like, Hey, I want to apply some of this stuff. That sounds great. I could totally see how this is going to work. Read your copy out loud to yourself. 
That is a massive thing that will help you fix really clunky sentences. It'll help you fix things that are just said incorrectly. It'll help you fix grammar. So that is another thing that you you guys can do like today. Sit down, read it out loud to yourself, and then ask yourself, would I read all this if it wasn't my website? If you have a lot of copy. So there's some quick tips that they're not like storytelling specific, but they're copywriting specific and they all tie together. They do. But yeah, we ought to get onto storytelling. You're quite right. So that we, we're dealing with the sort of dirty <laughs> hacks end of marketing writing already, which is not, it's better than not dealing with it. But so if we have this sneaking feeling that we've got this long rambling or even short and, but rather characterless and certainly not storytelling homepage specifically, let's focus on that just because it helps, but we can get broader if you want. We can talk emails, we can talk whatever you want. Where do we go next in actually driving a, creating a narrative? We got to focus on the customer. We got to talk about the problem. Okay. So this is one good advice. And often not followed, so it's good to hear it. How do we turn that into a story, though? Yeah, so the reason we start with a problem is because every story is about transform, like good ones anyway. Simba has to learn how to become the king that he was always meant to be and the Lion King, right? Luke has to learn how to become a Jedi and overcome the fear of his father. So we start with the problem to set the story up. What we need to do through that process is then, like I said, expand on the on the problem itself and that's often what experts do is they don't talk about the stuff at the surface level. They go down layers deep and get into not just the, the main problem itself, but the secondary and tertiary things that are happening because of that problem. So expanding on that, making talking about it at the expert level tends to put you in the position of the mentor. And so the mentor is your Obi-Wan Kenobi, right? Who's going to lead you on the path. Um, it's Hamish from Hunger Games. Quite often, the hero needs a guide to help them overcome their challenge. So we want to uh, talk about the problem at a deeper level and then position the company as the ones that have the solution, that have have the, the way to fix the problem. Later on, you can start doing things like setting the stakes. We talked about that a little bit earlier. What might life look like if you had our product versus what might life look like if you didn't have the product? In every story, there needs to be some level of stakes for the that the hero has to overcome, right? John McClane has to get the hostages out of the building and he has to, you know, dis- disarm this bomb that they've set up. If there's no stakes, then the story is really boring. He goes to a, a Christmas party, he meets his estranged wife, and that's it. So we need to set up some sort of stakes in the story. We talked a little bit about social proof. That's obviously important as well. And that's, I mean, uh, I could spend two hours explaining how to go like really deep into into the details, and I'm trying to I'm trying to give a high level overview. Obviously, by the book, if you want to get deeper in, in into it and understand that there's the hero's journey from Joseph Campbell's perspective is 15 different steps, and for me to kind of break them down and explain what is the call to adventure and what is the rejection of the call and what is the, the natural and the unnatural world and how do we tie those things in to a good story is. Unfortunately, I just don't think we have enough time. So, <laughs> no, that makes a lot of sense. There's a reason because there's a format as they, as opposed yes. to you know, the longest podcast in the world. Even Godin's Joe Rogan, podcast, I'm not. Yeah. Seth, I don't mean that. Josh Rogan's Joe Rogan's Joe Rogan. I'm trying to get it right the third time around. So I don't listen to his podcast very often. But when I've listened to it of his interviews, like with Elon Musk, and they are long, but but even so, it's not a book. So you're entering very interesting books, by the way, in Joseph Campbell's. Hero's Journey. I've heard of the Hero's Journey, but I haven't heard of uh, Joseph Campbell's book. So that's very interesting as well. Talking of books, we ought to mention your book, which we've talked about in the last episode, but let's talk about it again, How to Hack Humans. So 
you said there's three parts, neuroscience, a recipe for telling a good story, <laughs> and then steal my stuff, obviously giving away the farm there. Tell us a little bit more about what in the recipe for telling a good story bit. So yeah, so I, that, but if you'll so pick. the most, um, so the hero's journey is important because, and Joseph Campbell was the one who coined the phrase, the hero's journey in uh, a hero with a thousand faces. And the reason the book is called a hero with a thousand faces is because they kept seeing this repeating story pattern through cultures that had never even talked to each other. They kept telling the same story over and over again. So Native Americans were telling a very similar story to people in India, 5,000 years separated, 10,000 years separated from one another. Why is that happening? Because we as humans actually go through the hero's journey like on a daily basis. Like some days you're storming the castle and the next day you're locked up in the dungeon of that same castle. And our life goes up and down and we overcome and we learn and we grow, hopefully. <laughs> And that's essentially about the transformation. Just think about like age. When you were eight years old, you were a very different person than, than who you are today, right? You have transformed over time, whether that's good, whether that's bad, you have changed in some way. And so the hero's journey is constantly talked, all these stories constantly talk about transformation. And what Joseph Campbell realized is they're telling the same story. They just have different characters. And it's, like I said, it's broken up into 15 different parts. And I usually just pull up the graphics so I can remember all the different parts, but essentially your hero has some sort of villain problem issue. They're in the normal world and then they go to the supernatural or the, the supernatural or the, what else they call it? I can't remember what they call it. They go from the normal world to, to the supernatural world. So that basically means everything around that character has changed. The way they saw the world has completely changed to use, uh, star Wars. Cause I love star Wars, Luke didn't know what Jedi were, had no clue of the force. Like he went from, I'm a moisture farmer to magical space wizards. And so that's his transition from the normal to the, the not normal or the, the spiritual world. But in, in that midsection, like I said, I, I talk about how a slogan can tell a story. I give the example of uh, Disney, the happiest place. That is a very short, concise story. And it has emotion, right? Cause it's the happiest place on earth, not the best place on earth. It's not, you know, the neatest place on earth. It's the happiest place on earth. So I talk about that. I talk about analogies, idioms, parables. Those are all short forms of story. So I give you some different ways that you can look at, at using storytelling. It doesn't need to be the full hero's journey, but the hero's journey is just the, is the granddaddy of all storytelling. But then you can look at other ways to shorten that up and your story doesn't have to be war and peace, right? Yeah. That's just thinking of on putting together an, an audio book, which isn't something I've revealed to listeners before you listening or watching now, you heard it here first, um, creating audio books out of some of the interviews I've done for specific themes. And the trouble there is creating a sort of from, so there are various forms of a kind of storytelling in mm -hmm. your story on today's podcast, which is very interesting. The results of it in your blog, in your homepage, by the way. So this stuff does show up in a concrete way, doesn't it? Cause I could see the visual training you've had There's a very striking, very clean sort of uh, branding, but also I can tell that you've the word. So it's funny how, yeah, storytelling is an intimidating thing. If you think it's got to be war and peace, if it can come down to an anecdote or a bubble or a paragraph, or even one punchy sentence, which kind of mm -hmm. is the beginning of a story that feels more doable for a lot of us. And I guess also if, if you feel like you're painting on a product detail page of an Amazon uh, store, which is all we get our storefront or a detail page of a direct consumer, we can feel like it's too constricted. And then also we can feel like we've got that, we've got a WordPress site or a Shopify site, you do a terror of the blank page. So if, if you feel either of those things, what, what's your advice to, uh, this mm -hmm. is like simplistic stuff. And obviously 
people should read your book or contact you for help. But if we feel in either of those places, like the horror of the blank page, or I could just write 10,000 words, or we're very restricted here, how do we begin to get over yeah, that? Yeah, so like I said earlier, start with a problem or a desired outcome, and then build your story around that, right? Like, that's what's going to grab people's attention. I, I, I hate to give this advice because I feel like probably not everybody will take it, but some people will, which is you could just start out a product description by saying, imagine, right? That already starts to put somebody in the simulation of imagining themselves essentially using that product or service. So you could say, imagine having the best shave of your life with 20 blade, you know, whatever, shaver and yada. That is the, the start of telling a story. And I'm liking it already. I, I like <laughs> the fact that it's so like a 20 blade shaver. I was tempted to create one just because it'd be a talking point, but I presumably the funded cost would be horrendous and you'd sell about one a month, but I, I would have it as one of my variations after like the 20 blade, the monster or something. I, I'm really, you know why? Because one of me is just like a born entertainer. My wife and I just entertain each other at home. We do kind of because we get bored and but that entertaining slash storytelling instincts there. So I think I sometimes having something just so you can talk about it, it feels like it's worth having. And the most expensive book on Amazon, for example, as Chris Green has had in, in the past. That's mm -hmm. a fantastic thing to be able to say on a podcast because it's very striking. It's, it's There's lots and lots of books on Amazon. There's lots and lots of books about um, internet marketing. God only knows. I think another one, I'm sure I'm going to add one. Uh, but the most expensive book I'm interesting or the 20 blade shaver. I, and, and I like this idea of putting the word imagine why, who I think it's really important for. I think it's important for the person writing the copy. You put the word imagine in. So you're telling yourself, okay, we're mm -hmm. in the business of trying to get people to imagine stuff that shows you on a different route to we're in the listing mm -hmm. 10 million board. I think that's really helpful. If you want to get the uh, first chapter of the book, which is how to hack human storytelling for startups, which I think is a super cool title, by the way, <laughs> hack very fun, but different from hack, more profound for starters. Uh, you can get the first chapter folks. If you go to storifyagency.com for such amazing, obviously you can buy the book on, yeah. I guess Amazon yeah. is that right as well, Seth, it's available generally. And then the audio books coming out as well. Do you have uh, a date for the audio book? Or is this yeah, I've throws? recorded it all now. Now it's getting it's the editing process of all the flubs and everything but the audiobook is actually going to be the unrated director's cut where I add a bit more salty language and additional commentary and also in the audiobook there's going to be so bloopers outtakes but also a author's commentary where um I was interviewed about the book and so it's almost like the when the director's commentary I like on a DVD or Blu-ray or whatever nice so you're taking by kit and yeah, a soundtrack. I'm, I'm a big music guy. Funny enough, 20 years ago, I used to be a rave DJ. So I've been really into music for a long time and I have some interesting stories I could tell you about that. I'm sure. But, uh, I, I love all kinds of music. The soundtrack is all over the place. It's really eclectic. I've got Japanese hip hop. I've got French music. I've got eighties pop music. I've got uh hair metal electronic music like it's just it's all over the place i like it so you can get the playlist on spotify mm -hmm. to go along with your read, reading your book which i like it a lot great stuff listen we better you get back to running an agency that sounds like a big enough job in itself really conversation about storytelling and um if nothing else folks once again go to storyfy.com just to get an idea of the integration of design with super smart layout and, and structure and uh, words. I, I just think it's the cleanest example I've ever seen of what you're talking about. So you're walking your talk, great stuff and, and really thought provoking. So Seth Erickson from Storify thank Agency. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having for me. Come on the show. 
Thanks for listening to the 10K Collective podcast for six and seven figure Amazon sellers. I really hope you found the show helpful to you. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please do leave us a quick star rating. It will take you all of 30 seconds to do it, but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.